Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Blaster, Senior Executive Producer of Investigations here at ABC News. And I'm joined by my colleagues, John Santucci and Matt Mosk. Both of them have been covering Donald Trump since he began running for president. Uh, John was on the trail with him and now covers him at the White House. And Matt was one of the first investigative reporters back during the election who came to me and brought up Russia. And what is this business deals that Donald Trump and even back then I was a little skeptical, but uh, Matt kept pushing and he turned out to be right. This is a big week for the Mueller investigation on Thursday. They are going to finally release the 400 page document that Bill Barr has been going through. A lot of it's going to be redacted. It's going to be color coded uh, on why things are redacted. I think, John, you said that uh, I think even in the Bureau they were testing out how long it takes to copy. Well, we brought in extra copy machines that could do color, but 6 minutes and 14 seconds is what we're looking at. Apparently the machine slowed down at like 370 pages, Chris, so <laughs> may have a little problem there. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, fighting right now who gets uh, the first copies. Uh, but don't worry, boss, you get uh, one of the first five. Matt, what are, what are you looking for the most? What do you think? Where, I mean, everyone says... Uh, we're going to skip over collusion and just go to um, the obstruction case. What do you think? What are you going to be looking for? Well, so it, it, we understand it's two sections, collusion and obstruction. And in the collusion section, where I think there will be interest is in all of the different contacts between the Trump campaign and Trump campaign aides and Russian agents and Russian officials. We know just from what's in the public record that there were a multitude of attempts to create this contact between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Uh, there are, I think, a half a dozen people who proposed the two of them meeting during the campaign. Now, it never happened, and we don't know what details we'll see or not see. But I think to the extent there's more information about that, that will be very interesting. But today we also have a special guest with us, and it's John Carl. And John Carl is the chief White House correspondent who's also the co-host of the Powerhouse Politics Podcast. This is a big week for the Mueller investigation. John Carl, uh, over the weekend, you made some news on this week when you focused on Don McGahn in the White House and what he had possibly said to uh, Robert Mueller. Let's listen to that. What worries them most is what Don McGahn told the special counsel. It was Former reported, White House counsel. Former White House counsel Don McGahn has visibility on all of this. It was reported earlier that he spent 30 hours before the special counsel. George, I'm told it's significantly more than 30 hours. And here's the astounding thing. After all of that time before the special counsel, nobody on the president's legal team debriefed McGahn about what he was asked by the special counsel or what he told the special counsel. So the bottom line is they really don't know. Okay, so John, is is Don McGahn becoming the John Dean in this? Is this what you were? Well, there, well, there's no indication of that. But but the point of the significance of of McGahn, I mean, the implication of of him becoming a dean would be as if he were to turn on the president. I see no indication of that whatsoever. Uh, but he was White House counsel, and he was witness to virtually everything uh, over the course of this saga. Uh, he, you know, was the one that the president talked to about firing Mueller, a decision that obviously never actually was made, but something the president clearly considered and clearly talked about. Uh, he was the one uh, who uh, broke the news to the president that uh, Jeff Sessions had recused himself uh, from the Russia investigation and bore the wrath of the president after that decision. Um, he was the one uh, that was involved in, in, in uh, 
preparing to uh, how the White House would talk about uh, the Comey uh, firing. So McGahn is a central player here and has witness to has been witness to uh, the the president's whims on this, the president's actions, the president's Mm -hmm. musings. And, you know, he spent a lot of time talking about it. But isn't the issue here, too, that the White House is kind of flying blind on Don McGahn, that they didn't debrief him after he met with Mueller all this time isn't that the real issue here? Yeah, and w- which is a- astounding because you know there's a joint defense agreement. They 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 there would have been nothing wrong with doing that, and that would have been standard practice in any other normal situation like this. And um, it, it simply didn't happen. And by the way, I'm told, and I, I think uh, John Santucci is as uh, as talked to folks on this as well um, that this is true of all of the senior White yeah. House staff. I mean. He, he, he spoke to McGahn. McGahn's the one that is potentially the most dangerous. Again, not because he's going to turn and talk about a cancer on the presidency, mm-hmm. but because he's going to answer honestly what he saw. Um, and, and he saw the most. But uh, Hope Hicks, uh, who was by the president's side, uh, you know, <laughs> probably more than just about anybody uh, in that White House until she left, uh, she testified. For two uh, days. I mean, uh, that's the other thing, too, is the amount of time yeah. that some of these people went in. I mean, as you reported, Reince McGahn Priebus. was in there over 30 hours, but we know Reince went in significantly. Hope Hicks went in for two days. Uh, Steve Corey Bannon. Lewandowski, Steve Bannon. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and, and really, to your point, though, John, it's the 30-somewhat people that were inside the White House, but they had joint defense agreements with many people outside of the White House that were close to the president, and those people were not debriefed or discussed with what they were asked and what they told told them, um, and then weren't really kept in the loop on any follow-ups. I mean, your point on the Sunday show with George about the fact that McGahn went back several times, those were periods, my understanding, is that even after he left the White House, he was contacted for follow-ups. Yeah, but at the end of the day, doesn't it suggest that the president had nothing to hide? He could have asserted executive privilege on Don McGahn. And, 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 and said, no, you're not testifying about our conversations here. And there could have been a drawn-out battle, but he didn't do that, right? Well, uh, the, the president's also very much getting ready uh, for the release of this report, and you see some preemptive strikes uh, uh, on the argument about obstruction of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, the president's actually been been beginning to make this argument a long time, which was that he was fighting back. Uh, this was uh, uh, a, an investigation that was uh, started uh, by people out to get him, and he was fighting back. He wasn't obstructing justice. He was just fighting back. Um, but, you know, you're right. At the end of the day, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see chapter and verse, um, some actions by the president uh, that would be, in any normal circumstance, pretty alarming, Uh, uh, raising questions about his respect for the independence of of the Department of Justice, uh, for the uh, the judicial, for the the whole process here. Um, But when all is said and done, Mueller completed his investigation. Mueller was able to interview all of those people inside the White House. The White House turned over more than a million documents without a fight, and the president never fired him. It was allowed to go to completion. The one thing that they didn't do is they never agreed to an in-person interview. But basically, aside from that, they agreed with everything else. They 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 cooperated in this, with this investigation. That's a pretty powerful counterargument to made when you're accused of, of obstruction of justice. I mean, I think one of the big questions here, John, is. So much of what happened happened in full public view, whether it was obstruction or not, we all saw it. Is there going to be more in this report that the president did that we didn't see? Uh, Actions he took that nobody until they read this will know about. What do you think? 
Well, Barr, in his now famous four-page letter, not summarizing but providing principal findings, um, he suggested that there were stuff we didn't know. And then he was asked about it uh, during, his, uh, during his testimony on Capitol Hill, and he, and he said explicitly um, that, there, that, that there are things here that we do not know. And uh, do you think the White House will try and put some of that into public view ahead of the report? I see no indication of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they also haven't tried to prevent it from, from being released. I mean, we're told as of now, and by the way, there, there's a phrase uh, that I hear often when I talk to people who have um, insight into what the president and the White House are doing, people over there, people close advisors to the president, people who, um, you know, carry out the president's uh, wishes and directives, uh, unless it changes. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 but as of this moment, and we're pretty damn late, uh, there has been no effort whatsoever to uh, to redact anything because of executive privilege. And, and I think just to add by the way, on to something that, he I, could make a very strong argument for doing. Right, but I think I think the, what my understanding, John, uh, and you and I have talked about this uh, not in front of a microphone, but the understanding that we've had is that it's not going to be so much that we're going to learn something new scenario-wise, just going to learn more examples of it. So, like, we know that he talked about firing Jeff Sessions. We know that he talked about firing Robert Mueller. We know about examples one, two, and three, but it's possible we could learn of examples four, five, and six in the report. Right. It's not going to be some brand new smoking gun on this. But, you know, one thing that I expect to see, you know, we talk so much about the the firing of Comey and the musings and talk of firing Mueller Mm -hmm. didn't happen. But I think the hours around the recusal, the session's recusal, I, 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 I expect to be reading and maybe learning a little well, bit. Well, but that's why I was going to ask you this, because one of the things that you mentioned there is about going back to Don McGahn for a hot second. You talked about how, um, you know, he's not looking to turn on the president. But one of the things we've now learned about Don McGahn is that he was infamous for his memos, uh, sort of these, I mean, I would call them the CYA memos, yeah. right? So yeah. he goes into these interactions with the president and others. He comes out. He writes debriefing notes in them. We already know he's written one around uh, the firing efforts of Mueller. He's written them about Sessions. He's even done them on security clearances related to Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. I mean, do we think, you know, from your sources that that maybe know a little more here, do we think we're actually going to see some of those memos in this report? Could we learn more about what McGahn was observing in these minutes? The testimony is one thing, but actually his raw notes when he came out of these encounters. Um, I, I don't have a definitive answer on that, but I know this is something that, that uh, people close to the president are concerned about. It gets to, again, the documents that were turned over. When Ty Cobb was running, um, you know, point on this in the White House Counsel's Office, and his philosophy on the investigation, on dealing with the investigation was full cooperation will cause the investigation to end sooner. The president has nothing to hide. We fully uh, cooperate. We get this cloud lifted and move on. Well, a, a lot of the people currently advising the president on this uh, think that this was a colossal mistake. Um, and, um, and, you know, and, and, and one of the concerns is that you know, what you're talking about is, is, is memos from McGahn, I would say, are at the top of the list of things that are concerned except, about in terms of the documents. Except I always say, but one mystery that I really want answered on Thursday is Mike Flynn cooperated, made a deal with Mueller. So when you make a deal, you have to give something to get something. We still don't know what he told them. 
he had to tell them something. It seems like I mean, Mike Flynn's visibility in all of this is much more about communication with Russia, strategy, regards to Russia and sanctions, things along those lines that maybe are separate from the obstruction piece and more akin to the collusion piece. And we know from the summary, or we believe from the summary, that those details didn't lead to anything substantive. So they gave him a deal even though it didn't pan out. Okay. Well, I, I don't well, know. I mean, I, I think you raise a great question, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to know the answer. By the way, on, on the collusion thing, I mean, here's the problem for the White House just from a political standpoint with this, is the good news is all out. The good news is all out. The, 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 the top-line co- uh, conclusion, the, the central focus of the investigation, did the Trump campaign, anybody on the Trump campaign, the president or any of his people – uh, cooperate, conspire with the Russians on the hacks or on the uh, social media campaign, et cetera? Uh, and the answer to that is no. But there's going to be a lot written about that in this report. And I think what you're going to see is chapter and verse, a heck of a lot of contact between people in the, in, in, in the Trump but orbit. this is really where the next fight yeah. is coming, right? Because these are the names that are likely, many of them, to be redacted. To be redacted. And the Democrats aren't going to stand by idly and allow that, right? This is... I, I, first of all, it's going to raise all kinds of questions, and some people will never believe the ultimate finding that that uh, that there wasn't a conspiracy here. But I, I think another thing that that will be argued, and perhaps forcefully, mm-hmm. is that with all of this smoke, this was an investigation that damn well had to happen. So the idea that this was some illegal investigation started because people wanted to get you know at you know at Donald Trump, insurance policy, et cetera, et cetera, you know, we're going to see a lot of um, suspicious activity that, that Mueller tracked down and, and ultimately concluded did not add up to, uh, to, to actual collusion on, on the Russian interference campaign. Well, let's just talk about the president for a second, because obviously we've seen the tweets for the last nearly two years now, witch hunt, hoax, and you know, fake investigation. He was asked uh, just the last couple of days in the Oval Office about his thoughts on the Mueller report, if he was worried about it. Let's take a listen to that. On the Mueller report, are you concerned that Barr said that he's not going to redact that report to protect your reputation? No, I'm not concerned about anything because, frankly, there was no collusion and there was no obstruction. And we never did anything wrong. The people that did something wrong were the other side. The dirty cops and a lot of the problems that were caused. It's a disgrace what happened. And again, it should never happen to a president again. You're just lucky I happen to be the president because... A lot of other presidents would have reacted much differently than I reacted. You're very lucky I was the president during the scam, during the uh, Russian hoax, as I call it. So, no, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, The bottom line, the result is no collusion, no obstruction. And that's the way it is. And I know a lot of people were very disappointed, but they knew the real answer. You know, when the Democrats go behind the scenes and they go into a room backstage and they sit and they talk, they laugh. Because they know it's all a big scam, a big hoax. So, but John, moving to where the president's going to have to deal with this now, to Matt's point, I mean, you are now going to see whatever comes out of this release on Thursday. Democrats on Capitol Hill are going to seize on whatever is not good for yeah, Donald no, they've Trump. they've already said it. They want to see the full unredacted report and supporting material. So, right? it, so they want you, those million plus documents. Right. They well, want one point the, two. Uh, they want everything. They, 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 they want the, the summaries of the interviews. They want any transcripts. They want it all. They want the grand jury information right. to be released by, you know, through court order. They want. They want it all. So how do they start that fight, and how does the White House prepare for that? Because they've got a very JV 
team over at the White House. The White House counsel's only been there for a little bit. He has staffed up Pat Cipollone, um, but they don't have, you know, as Dave Bossy uh, said to us a couple weeks ago on this podcast, said they don't really have the infrastructure yet to deal with a full Capitol Hill investigation. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, he, and here could be a time to take a step back and talk about what Barr has done, because he's been, he's been vilified in this process. He's been roundly criticized um, by, by Democrats and, um, and, and the president's critics. But I don't think we – I think that it's important to think about what Barr is actually doing here. And true, it's under intense political pressure and everything else. But there is no requirement that any of this be made public. And in fact, there's no real precedent. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. There's no real precedent for an investigation like this from a special counsel. Again, we're not talking about an independent counsel. This is not Ken Starr. Um, for an investigation like this to, to, to release this material. So, um, and, and, and the fact that there is no redaction on privilege grounds and the fact that when he talks about third parties, he has explicitly said he is not talking about the president, so he's not going to block out material that is disparaging of the president. Now, look, if you read some of the stuff that Rod Rosenstein has, has, has said about this over, over the last couple of years, um, th- those third parties would basically include anybody who's not who's not prosecuted. If you're not prosecuted, we don't disparage you. That's why Rosenstein went at Comey so hard with how he handled the Hillary Clinton case. So Barr's Barr's leaning really far forward here and in ways that are going to bite the White House. I mean, in ways that are going to that are going to look not look so good for the president. So so I don't know. I think we have to kind of see how this plays out and see how aggressive the the, the Democrats are actually going to be in in fighting. Are they going to, you know, I mean, look, there are people that are never going to be satisfied with anything besides full and total release. But, you know, we're going to we're going to see the redactions. We're going to see the reasons for the redactions. And I think we'll get a pretty quick sense about whether or not there was really anything that was done here to protect the president. John, thanks for joining us. Coming up, ABC News legal analyst Dan Abrams joins the conversation. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Chris Blasto, and I'm here with John Santucci and Matt Mosk, who are the lead investigative reporters on the Mueller investigation here at ABC News. We are now joined by our legal analyst, Dan Abrams, who can break down legal arguments better than anyone I know. Dan, so the Mueller report is coming out on Thursday, and in it, we know there are going to be redactions, color-coded redactions in four different areas. Do you think the Democrats have a case in trying to get that unredacted? Look, first of all, we're going to have to see how much is redacted. I think while as a legal matter, that isn't the question per se, right, which is exactly what was redacted. I think that the the argument, because this is going to end up being a quasi-political argument, uh, becomes weaker or stronger depending on the extent of the redactions. If the, if the redactions are truly, um, you know, uh, sort of overwhelming and it really feels like you don't get a sense of major portions of the report. Um, you know, I think that, that, that Barr is going to have to figure out a way, and he's even said this, right, that he's willing to think about ways to work with Congress. If the redactions are, are much more minor, um, it's, going to be, it's going to be a tougher argument. Um, so do I think that they'll get the entire report unredacted? No. Uh, do I think that they'll be able, do I think we will leave 
the Mueller report with a fair sense at some point of all of the the major findings and reasoning behind it? Yes. But isn't the law on Barr's side? Isn't the law? I mean, listen, we don't find out grand jury information. We don't want to disparage people unfairly. Isn't aren't aren't these all reasonable arguments? The, the disparage unfairly argument is actually one that I think is not particularly strong. Um, I, I don't think that that's a significant argument. Um, why? Because this is different. Uh, because this is not just a typical federal prosecution. I mean, you can't just take the DOJ guidelines and say it applies to a special counsel. Because if you did that, there's no reason to have a special counsel. Because then then you're then basically the attorney general's making all the decisions anyway. And the attorney general is just going to apply the same standards, et cetera. There's a reason you get a special counsel. And it's because you feel you need an independent person to come in uh, and examine um, a set of facts, et cetera. So this idea that, uh, oh, you know, a, a third party. Look, is it, if, it, if it's it, my point is the third party can't be President Trump. That's my point is that, that it can't be that be, if the reasoning, and I'm confident the, one of the reasons that Mueller will have given for not making a decision on obstruction of justice is going to be that a sitting president can't be indicted. It can't be then also, if that's the case, that you can't even effectively talk about the person you were investigating because there's concern about uh, third-party concerns. Now, grand jury is a different issue. Um, yeah, there are concerns. There are ways to get around grand jury. I'm more concerned about classified information, right? That, to me, is a very—the two strongest arguments, to me, are classified information and information about ongoing investigations. Those two are stronger to me than the other two. We've seen reporting already, Dan, that the Mueller team prepared summaries of both sections that were intended to be made public. Should we expect to see those in full? I I would certainly hope so. I mean, I, I would think that that was the reason that they did it. I mean, look, you know, this this is where we get into this balance between what is the attorney general's role versus what was Robert Mueller's role. Yes, according to the special counsel regulations, it is really up to the attorney general as to whether to make it public, how much to make public, et cetera. Um, you know, there's I think that's that's pretty clear. Um, and, and that definitely puts it on on his side as a sort of technical legal matter. But I think he'd have some some real explaining to do if he can't explain why he can't release the summary, meaning if the summaries aren't released because it's possible that they, that they say bad things about third, third parties that were not quote-unquote indicted, I think that's a real problem. So, so I think that we will, I think Barr would be very smart to release the summaries that Mueller's team created in their entirety because then he can really credibly say, Look, I worked with Mueller's material. I took his summaries. They're public. Um, you, you, you know what Mueller, not my findings, you now know what Mueller's findings are. So that's a very strong argument for Barr to make. And then say when it gets into the details of some of the, some of the minutia of how they reached those various conclusions, some of that material uh, would be redacted. This weekend on This Week, John Carl made some headlines saying that Don McGahn's testimony may be rather significant here in the findings that we're going to see, especially when it comes to obstruction of justice and the firing of Comey and et cetera. But he also made an argument about saying, you know, the president could have claimed executive privilege and and there could have been a battle. You know, uh, Don McGahn 
could have been forced not to testify, right? How incriminating could it be? I think you're, you're right that, again, our definition of incriminating has come such a long way in this administration. And I just mean that, you know, in a previous administration, you know, we would say, oh my goodness, a president had tried to even consider firing the special counsel. We'd be horrified. In this one, if he didn't specifically order it, um, the answer is going to be, well, then what's the big deal? Um, so I don't think, based on everything we know already, that there's going to be a major uh, revelation from McGahn's testimony that is going to be a, a, a mega bombshell on the issue of obstruction. I do think there are going to be some, some nuggets in there, which we don't know about. Um, and I think that's clear even if you read through between the lines in Barr's letter. Much or many of the, the uh, alleged, obstructing, alleged, alleged obstructions were public. And, and, of course, Barr's point is that he doesn't think that they're obstructions. You know, I have my own little obsessions with Michael Flynn. And, and I've, I've said to myself, what did he have to give to get a deal? He spent 17 hours with them. Yep. You know, could there be a conversation... Maybe this is kind of a conversation that could happen that, you know, Donald Trump said to Mike Flynn, don't worry, I'm going to get rid of Comey or this investigation is going to go away. You know, on its face, that could be obstruction, right? But again, you know, this, this is the ultimate question, right? Is that obstruction? I don't know. It depends. Some people say the president uh, can effectively do whatever he wants when it comes to hiring, firing, ending, beginning, uh, and as a result, none of it. Uh, would matter. But yes, I think that if, if that's what he was saying or doing, that that would be that would be obstructionist. Look, look, and I think you're right to be focusing on Flynn, by the way. This is going to be, you know, because Mueller didn't, quote unquote, make a typical prosecutorial judgment here and Barr did. And Mueller says it doesn't exonerate him. You know, you really you do get a sort of a sense of the broad lanes here and the lanes are going to be there's going to be some bad stuff for Trump in here. There's going to be material which suggests that he obstructed the investigation. And if it had been anybody else, it probably would have been criminal. I mean, I feel confident saying that it just it has to be and it has to be that Mueller decided that he wasn't going to make a final conclusion, in part because the president can't be indicted. Well, but then that's the question, though, Dan. So, I mean, if that's the rationale at the end of the day, is it something that when Donald Trump leaves office, he could be facing charges? In theory, but <clears throat> I don't think there's going to be an appetite for... I mean, look, here's a, a, a more interesting question to me is after he leaves office, could he be prosecuted on the campaign finance violations? Right, the, I mean, the SDNY yes, case. Yes, I mean, that to me is more possible than the idea that you're going to get into these broad constitutional questions about obstruction of justice and the power of the president, et cetera. I mean, th those are sort of more tougher macro calls than is the more micro legal question of the campaign finance. And when you look at the Cone plea agreement and the, you know, the supporting material, it's clear that the prosecutors believe Michael Cohn 
that Trump ordered him to do it. Well, and, and, the, and the other part of that one, too, Dan, is that when we finally saw um, the search warrants that were released, the only part of it that was still redacted was related to the campaign finance violations right. and right. individual one. But, you know, the other thing I was curious for, for your take on is that, you know, we're you're seeing Mueller close up shop. But you're seeing individuals that Mueller made deals with that have still not been sentenced. Michael Flynn is still out there. Yeah. Rick Gates is still out there. Does it surprise you to see that as Bob Mueller is closing up shop, his reports in, we know that he's winding down staffing in his office and they're suddenly not going to be showing up there anymore, that the individuals that he found helpful and others found helpful are still kind of in limbo here? Absolutely. I mean, what were they cooperating about? I mean, right. right. What, what was the deal for? Why, why did we have to delay Michael Flynn's uh, sentencing? We now move into the political realm, right? Because defining high crimes and misdemeanors is something that is up to the Congress. I, I, I don't think it's a realistic impeachable offense in this environment, meaning I think there are going to be people who could make a very compelling argument that in any other administration we would say that this could be impeachment. I think it is fair to say that in this administration there is no way that that in and of itself will be deemed to be impeachable. Coming full circle, I mean, does that give House Democrats, does that give the chairman, uh, Chairman Nadler, justification to see the unredacted report, to see the uh, ancillary material in order to make his own determination about impeachment? It should, if you view it from a sort of, you know, the three, the three, you know, 30,000 foot view, it, it should in the sense that if the special counsel, if everyone was sort of in agreement going into this, that the special counsel can't indict a sitting president, and he was investigating a sitting president, then it must be sort of as a practical matter that the investigation gets turned over to Congress. And yet, as a technical legal matter, it's not that simple. And it really does... Uh, it seems, again, as, as I read the special counsel regulations, uh, rest in, in Barr's hands more. There's nothing as a legal matter that says the special counsel's report is for Congress. And, and that's something, by the way, that I think that they should change, is when they got into this business of trying to avoid another independent counsel and making the special counsel more accountable to the attorney general. And is the question that because Barr said it's not enough to prosecute, and he didn't even use the presidential standard, right? He said, he said, in completely apart from the question of whether a president, but, but what does that mean coming from him, right? Meaning if he's saying you can't be indicted, then he's basically just saying, look, he's basically echoing his memo that he sent before he became attorney general, in effect saying that a president almost can't obstruct justice. That, that There's really almost no way. That he's allowed for, to fire and do anything he wants. Do anything he wants. That That's the power of the executive. That the reasoning doesn't matter, etc. And so he basically echoed that. What's surprising to me is that Rod Rosenstein joined in that um, legal assessment. Again, not a factual question per se. Well, we can't wait to see what's going to happen Thursday, and we're, we may need you back on our podcast. Yes, again. well, I'm happy to do it. Thank you. See you guys. That's it for us today. Please be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a rating. Thanks to our producers, Trevor Hastings and Caitlin Fulmer. And as we count down to the release of the Mueller Report set for this Thursday, watch out for a special bonus episode to drop as soon as we have the special counsel's report in hand. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back later this week for a special episode of The Investigation.